Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast, a Canadian real estate podcast that shows you how to pay off your mortgage sooner and live well while doing it. Now, here's your host, Sean Cooper. Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. I'm Sean Cooper, and it's great to be back for another episode. On today's show, I'll be talking to Ed Rempel. Ed is a fee-for-service financial planner and tax accountant, as well as a popular and passionate blogger. He's written hundreds of articles to educate the public on his unique insights and strategies that actually work instead of the conventional wisdom common in the financial services industry and the media. He's an expert in many financial strategies, including the Smith Maneuver. In my interview with Ed, we discuss managing risks of the Smith Maneuver, tax issues you need to be aware of, and what happens once your mortgage is paid off. Without further ado, here's my interview with Ed Rempel. Hi, Ed. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Sean. Well, it's exciting to talk to you about the Smith Maneuver, a powerful way for Canadians to build wealth. I actually had the son of the inventor of the Smith Maneuver, Robinson Smith, on the podcast. I'm excited to talk to you today since you're an accountant and you've helped many of your clients with the Smith Maneuver. So super excited to chat more about that topic today. Thanks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I guess you can think of this as maybe the sequel to your other podcast. Yeah, so I've, I've, I've actually like been in the trenches. I've helped hundreds of families implement the Smith Maneuver. I can speak well from experience on, on many issues. Well, you seem like the perfect guy to speak to on this topic here. So let's get started then. Well, can you just briefly tell the listeners again, what is the Smith Maneuver and why should somebody consider using the Smith Maneuver with their mortgage? All right. So in short, the Smith Maneuver is, it's kind of an elegant method for using the equity from your home to invest. And I think it's most effective if it's done as part of your retirement plan. So basically it allows you to build up investments that are not coming from your cash flow. So you can still do your RSPs and TFSAs and all your other investments as you would otherwise. It doesn't take your cash flow. The best part is if it's part of your retirement plan, you've decided when you want to retire, I want to retire at 55 on 75,000 a year. To do that, I need this big portfolio and I can't quite get it from just my cash flow in RSPs and TFSAs. So this gives you an extra amount of, of investments not without using more cash flow. Basically, that's what it, what's, what it is. You're using your equity bit by bit as, as it becomes available and investing it for the long term. And I think people often go into it for the tax benefits and because it can pay your mortgage off more quickly. But I would suggest those are lesser benefits. It's the investment growth is the main factor. I wouldn't do it only for tax benefits and I wouldn't do it only to pay your mortgage off more quickly. Great, and maybe you could quickly touch on the mechanics of it because you need a specific type of mortgage, a readvanceable mortgage, and you also need a home equity line of credit attached to it. So perhaps you could just quickly touch on the mechanics of it for anyone who's not familiar with the Smith Maneuver. Right. So you, you need a readvanceable mortgage. There's a, a bunch of institutions that, that have them. So basically, a readvanceable mortgage is a mortgage that's linked with a credit line so that 
when you make a mortgage payment, like you make a $1,000 mortgage payment, let's say 500 of his principal, then you immediately gain $500 credit available in the credit line that, that you can borrow. What the banks do is they'll typically give you 80% of the value of your home as a total limit, and that's the total that you can owe between the mortgage and the credit line. So as the mortgage goes down, you automatically gain room in the credit line, and that's the amount that you can borrow to invest. When you start out, you might have a lump sum that you can start with if you've got more equity in your home. And I guess that's a perfect starting point for the Smith maneuver, depending on where you are in the process of paying off your mortgage. Exactly. If you've just bought your house, then usually you start with no lump sum and just start investing every two weeks, right? But if you've got a a lot of equity, you can start with a big lump sum if, if that makes sense for you. Great. Well, thanks for explaining that, Ed. Now, how do you know if the Smith Maneuver is right for you? Right. That's an interesting question. You know, and the interesting thing is if you do math on when there's a benefit, there, if you invest effectively, there's always a benefit. But whether it's right for you is more about the type of person you are, whether you could tolerate the risk and you're comfortable with, with the debt. I find some people are just plain out debt averse. I found people that have, they wanted to get rid of their mortgage by doing the Smith maneuver. I could tell them, well, you know, we're actually borrowing more money. Like if you really hate debt, this is maybe not the way to do it. The bigger thing is, for the most part, you're investing in the stock market. And that's because the stock market's the asset class that gives the highest long-term returns and there's a lot of tax advantages with it. A thing about the stock market is it's very erratic and unpredictable short-term and even medium-term. But I think what people miss is that it's, it's actually far more reliable long-term than most people realize. For example, the worst 25-year period of the S&P 500 since 1930 calendar years was a gain of 7.9% a year. That's the worst period. Shows you how consistent it is as a long-term thing. For it to be right for you, what will happen is if you're investing for the next 25 years, Almost definitely the market will be way up and you'll have four or five, six times what you start off with and everything will be great. However, in between there, there'll probably be three, four, five major market events. You know, it could be market crashes or, or bear markets where your investments are down quite a bit and you have to be able to stay invested through all of them. The big thing is you have to be able to stay with it, stay have, have confidence in the long term. So that's the whole concept of risk speed, being comfortable with the investments as as a long-term thing. Whether it's right for you, that's probably the main factor, whether you can stick with it long-term. And I call it the big mistake. The big mistake is your investments go down and then you kind of panic and, and sell, or almost as bad, you switch to something conservative and think you're going to try to time going back in. It's the people that do that that, that can actually lose money in the Smith Maneuver long-term. You got to be able to just stick with it, just ride it up and, and be confident in the long-term. Because I've heard many studies say that humans aren't the best when it comes to investing. When investments tank, we tend to sell low. And then when we hear great news about an investment, we buy high, which is the exact opposite of what you should be doing. So I think a far better approach is rather than causing yourself anxiety by watching the markets every day, just come up with a long-term investment strategy. And certainly you should keep an eye on it, but don't watch it every single day because you'll just be causing yourself anxiety for no reason at all. Exactly. Make sure you have investments that you're confident in. And to me is if the investment would go down 20% and you'd lose confidence in it, then you should never have bought that investment in the first place. Like you need to have investment that you're going to be confident of. So for example, anything I'm invested in, if it fell by 20% or more, I would immediately want to buy more because it's, I'm very confident in the investment. So if I can get it cheaper. I just want to buy more of it. 
I never sell just because something has gone down, right? So it's, you're right, it's the big thing is the long term. Forget about what it's doing short term. You just think, you know what, 25 years from now, it's going to be four, five, six times where it is. I don't know what it's going to do in between, but I know it's confidence going to be way up in the long term and just stick with it. Great. And a couple points that I wanted to briefly touch on before we moved on now, being an accountant yourself and a full disclaimer that we're not offering any specific advice on the podcast here. You should certainly speak with an accountant and licensed professional before doing anything in terms of structuring your mortgage or anything this way. But just in terms of being an accountant yourself, I'd be interested to hear about why the Smith Maneuver is even possible and why you're able to deduct the interest. Because my understanding is that if you borrowed money to buy a car or something like that, you're not able to deduct the interest on that, but you're able to deduct the interest to buy investments. Right. Great question, Sean. So yeah, let me just start by saying I am a CPA, an accountant. I understand all the tax rules, but anything on this podcast, don't consider it to be tax advice. If you're going to do Smith Maneuver, you should have a qualified accountant that you discuss everything with and make sure that you stay on on track with all the rules. But to answer your question, basically, part of the Tax Act is they're trying to promote investments. It's the same rule that companies use when companies invest their own money to buy plant and equipment. Their interest is tax deductible. It's the same thing here because we're, we're investing in something in order to gain investment income or investment profits over time. So that's why it's in the tax act to allow us to claim it as a deduction. And that's why specifically it can't be for an RSP or TFSA or any kind of registered investment. It has to be a non-registered investment. And CRA figures, and eventually you're going to have some capital gains or dividend income or, or something. And meanwhile, you're promoting the economy. That's basically why, but there's a lot of things to be careful with the investments. You want to make sure that you track your accounts separately so you know, so you can prove exactly what's deductible. You want to make sure your investments are qualifying. Some types don't. If investments cannot possibly pay dividends, like for example, certain ETFs or options or gold couldn't possibly pay a dividend, then it would not be deductible. Some people think actually that your investment has to pay a dividend and it does not. All it has to do is be capable of potentially paying a dividend sometime in the future. So essentially any stock market investment or almost anyone can work. But you also want to be careful of investments that pay return of capital, like some REITs, certain ETFs do that, or other kinds of income investments pay a return of capital. And if they do that, you have to track, you're getting some of your original capital back. It's really like you you borrow 100,000 and your, your investment is giving you some of your principal back, not just just taxable income. So if you get 10,000 of your principal back, then only 90,000 of that loan is still tax deductible. So you have to track it. And the thing about it is CRA doesn't go look at your records. If you ever get audited, they don't look at your records and say, oh, here's how much would be deductible. It's up to you to prove it. And if you can't prove it, they just deny the whole thing. So it's up to you to prove it, track that it's deductible, or if it's not all deductible, exactly how much it is, and you need to be able to prove it. We've actually helped quite a few clients do that. And usually with our clients, we do their tax returns and we submit it. When we e-file it, we put on there that if CRA has any questions, they contact us. And so usually they contact us, we deal with CRA and answer their questions and that directly. So a lot of times our clients don't even know that they've had a, an audit or a CRA inquiry on it. 
Well, that's great. That's especially why we mentioned earlier, it's so important to work with an accountant as well as a mortgage broker, but especially an accountant when doing the Smith maneuver, mm-hmm. because you want to make sure that this is structured correctly, because if it's not structured correctly and you purchase the wrong type of investments, you kind of defeat the whole purpose of it. So thanks for exactly. touching all of, on all of that. A uh, court case, a, a tax court, some guy had borrowed a bunch of money to invest and then he bought investments that paid return of capital. And he just had a way of, in his head, it should be tax deductible. CRA reassessed him. He appealed it. He went all the way to tax court. And I read it. I thought, well, there's no way he's going to win. He's just wrong. Like, you, just, you, you have to have a good argument if you go there, right? And of course, he lost, right? So it's, he needed advice before he started. You know, it's got to make sure you do it right. I guess if he had spoken to an accountant like yourself, he could have avoided that whole situation in the first place. Exactly. Great. Well, touching on that, can you talk a bit about managing the risks of the Smith Maneuver and avoiding some of the common errors? I would say that the common errors are not knowing your risk tolerance, not understanding the tax rules, and then not having a long-term view of it. Those are, I think, are the three big factors. If you think long-term, get your tax tracking right and understand what your risk tolerance is, that you know you're comfortable with it long-term. Those are the big three risks. And I guess by you can mitigate those risks by working with a competent mortgage broker as well as an accountant to help you along the way to ensure that you're setting this up correctly. Exactly. Great. Well, speaking of taxes and all that other fun stuff, can you tell the listeners, how do you set it up to track your tax deductions with the Smith Maneuver and what tax issues do you need to be aware of? Well, usually the setup is fairly straightforward. Like if you're just borrowing from one credit line, the statement at the end of the year will say how much interest you paid over the year from that credit line. That's the amount that you put in. And then you have, of course, any taxable investment income. Much of the time, it can be fairly straightforward. However, you, you do have to make sure that everything was done right. You had the right qualifying investments and you didn't break any of the rules in, in any way. With a lot of our clients, what we're doing so that it doesn't use any of your cash flow is we capitalize the interest, which means you borrow some money to invest from a credit line. The credit line charges you the interest at the end of the month, but you can go back to the credit line and take back the money. So basically, the, and put it back in your checking to replace it. So basically what's happening is the credit line is in effect taking its own interest. Hardly any financial institution will allow you to do that directly. So you have to do it manually. They take the money from your checking account. You go back to the credit line and take it back. Now, if you do this, you have to make sure that you track it properly and you have to be able to show that the money that you took out of the, all the money that you took out of the credit line was either invested and is still invested because CRA is looking for the current use of that money or it was used to pay the interest. It's, it's okay to take money from the credit line to pay the interest. It would maintain the tax deductibility. Something else that I wanted to touch on with the Smith Maneuver, speaking with accountants, they've emphasized the importance of not muddying the waters. So what I mean by that is when you have the credit line specifically for the purposes of the Smith Maneuver, you shouldn't be borrowing money from it for personal use, like buying a boat or going on a family vacation. Perhaps you could talk a bit about keeping clean records so that it doesn't cause any issues with CRA if you're audited later on. Right. Great point, Sean. So yes, it's always good to have a completely separate credit line that you use only for investing. If you have another one that you use for an emergency fund or any other purpose, it's got to be a separate credit line. And most of the readvanceable mortgages out there will actually allow you to have multiple credit lines, or you can use an unsecured credit line, but make sure that you always keep them separate. Similar with the investment accounts, 
if you have a non-registered investment account and then you also borrow some money to invest, they could both be a, you know non-registered accounts, but you want to put them in, you want them to be completely separate accounts. So you can track this one is borrowed, this one is not. And that'll come into effect down the road when you're taking some money out. If you sell any of it, it can affect how much of your loan is tax deductible. So it's got to be, you want to be able to track them completely separately. Well, thanks so much for explaining that. Now, can you talk a bit about the Smith Maneuver and how it can fit into your retirement plan, no matter whether you're retiring in 10 years or your retirement's 30 years away? Yeah, you know, that's a great, that's a great question. That is how I got into the Smith Maneuver initially. So remember years ago, the, you know, the core of my building has always been, my business has always been financial planning. I'm doing these and the biggest piece is the retirement plan. So I'm helping clients try to save for the future. And I found for most people, the amount that they would have to save in order to have the retirement they want was a big hit to their uh, cash flow, much more than they wanted to put in. So we always had this trade-off between your lifestyle today and your lifestyle after you retire. And once I, then I was at uh, a seminar with Fraser Smith back in 2001. And I remember that there was like, I don't know, like 100 advisors there. And afterwards, they all just mulled out, walked out of there. I remember thinking, this is brilliant. So this is exactly what we need. Like it's a way to get some extra money to invest. And now that I've actually used it many times, it's surprising how often that makes the difference. You know, you just, you're putting your way, way the money you can RSP and TFSA, but if you project it out, it's not going to get you what you want in retirement, but you add the Smith mover into it. It's amazing how, how many times that alone makes the difference that you now get the retirement that you want. But bottom line is I think it should be one piece right? So if Smith Maneuver is right for you, you can just look at it as one piece of the whole puzzle. And you know, you have extra money to invest. So should you put it in your RSP, in your TFSA, or your spouse's RSP or TFSA, or should you put it into your mortgage where you pay it down on the mortgage, then reborrow it and invest it? So all three cases, you could actually have exactly the same investment, but it's different tax consequences. So it should be one piece of the calculation in getting you to the retirement that you want. Such great points that you raised. And I just want to emphasize again about the Smith Maneuver. There's no additional cash flow required. Perhaps we could just touch briefly on the fact that when you take out your initial mortgage with the home equity line of credit, like essentially what you're doing is you're not taking on a whole boatload of debt. When you pay down the mortgage, that principal money is going towards increasing the home equity line of credit. So you're just kind of keeping your debt at the same level rather than paying down the mortgage and you're converting the debt from non-tax deductible debt to tax deductible debt. Maybe you could just elaborate a bit on that. Well, you said that absolutely perfectly, Sean, but yes, that's exactly what happens. So so normally, unless you start with a lump sum, basically a $500,000 mortgage, you're going to pay it off over 25 years. As you pay it down, your reborrowings to invest. So your tax deductible credit line plus your mortgage are always equal to 500000 together. 20 or 25 years later, years later, the mortgage is down to zero. Your credit line is up to 500000 So you've converted it from a non-deductible mortgage into a tax deductible credit line. So it's you're not really adding debt, but you're not paying your debt down. All without any additional cash flow, which is, is definitely a big hurdle for people to, to cross when it comes for reti- saving for retirement. I mean, that's the difficult part for a lot of people. Life is expensive, and I guess they don't want to make the sacrifices they need right now to put away the money that, that they need in their RSP. But the great thing about the Smith Maneuver is that you can save for retirement all without sacrificing your cash flow today. So that's why I'm a big fan of it myself. The best time to be able to invest long-term is when you're younger, you're in your 30s. It'd be great. You've got 30 years in front of you. It's a great time to buy equity, equity investments and you've got a long runway in front of you. 
The problem is when you're in 30s, you often don't have much cash flow. You're still early in your career and you're trying, you know, you just bought a house and then you, you probably just got married and have kids. And so there's so many expenses. How do you actually start saving at that point? And that's why it can actually, I think it makes more sense for younger people that are trying to build something for down the road. No, I agree completely. Now, can you tell us what happens if you end up having to move properties when you have the Smith Maneuver implemented, as well as can you talk about what happens once your mortgage is paid off? Right. Yeah, moving is actually not really an issue because you just, you know, just like when you, if you sell a house, you move to a new one, you just get a new mortgage. It's the same thing with if you're doing the Smith Maneuver, you move to the new house and you just transfer your credit line over. So the key thing to watch for is the opening balance on your tax deductible credit line on the new house should be the same as the closing balance on the old house. So you need a good mortgage broker or mortgage person to make sure that that, that is done right. Because if they mess it up, now you've got your tax deductible credit line is wrong. But both, you just move the credit line over so it starts with the same balance and you just keep on going. The only time moving can be an issue actually is like if you're buying a more expensive home, you got to come up with the extra down payment. If you're buying a less expensive home, like you're downsizing closer to retirement, you could sell and you, you'd have to end up paying most of them of your proceeds down on the credit line because the, the bank only lends you 80% of the new lower amount. It's no problem moving when you're doing the Smith Maneuver. Once the mortgage is paid off, there's actually some, you have some interesting options. And this is part of why I think it needs to be part of a plan. I think a lot of people start on the Smith Maneuver. Oh, it's a cool way to save some tax and pay the mortgage off a bit quicker. But they don't actually realize that you're starting on a road. Let's make sure you like where it's going. So you're putting away money bit by bit. It doesn't seem like a lot. But after 20 or 25 years, you owe 500000 on this credit line. So you got to make sure that you know, you're comfortable with it. And then after the mortgage is paid off, what do you do? And there's three main options. The most common one, the one that actually helps you the most, and this is the same thing, by the way, after you retire. It's, bit, it's kind of the same question. The most common thing to do that gives you the most cash flow is once a mortgage is gone, you now have to start paying the credit line interest yourself, okay? So you can't capitalize the interest anymore because you've got no more credit available, but you don't have a mortgage anymore and the credit line payment is going to be less than your mortgage payment. So, I mean, some people look at it, if they finally get, you know, the mortgage paid off, and there's, you know, now I have mortgage free. I don't have a payment. When you're doing Smith Maneuver, once the mortgage is paid off, you pay the credit line yourself, but you don't have a mortgage. So your, your payment is only a little bit lower, but the payment is all tax deductible. And the way you can look at that payment is just think of it as an RSP contribution because you're you're making a payment and the payment is then fully, fully tax deductible. But there's three options after that. The one that gives you the most cash flow after retirement is you just keep that credit line forever. And the idea is that for most people, someone when they're 80 or 85 or 90, they can no longer do the work and stay in their home and they sell and move to a retirement home. And then they get a huge amount out of their house. So look at it as you're taking that, the, instead of getting the money at age 85, you've taken it out much sooner, invested it, and it's helped give you a more comfortable retirement all the way through. So then what happens, you've got your credit line, you keep it all the way through retirement. Another option is some people just want to go into retirement debt-free. So you just, once you retire or the mortgage is paid off, you just sell a bunch of investments, pay it all off, and you've just got whatever is left over is all you've got for your retirement. The third option that I run into a fair amount is people don't like the idea of the credit line is always there. So instead of that, they convert it back to a mortgage and they pay it off slowly. And that way you're paying principal plus interest. So you're paying a little bit more. So you have a little bit less retirement cash flow, but they like the feeling that, you know, eventually it's gone as opposed to it's always there. So those are kind of the three, you know, keep it forever, pay it off now, 
or in between paying off slowly. Great. And thanks so much for addressing that because that's a question that I've heard a lot of the times about the Smith maneuvers. Thanks for laying that out so clearly. So Ed, I heard there are seven Smith maneuver strategies. Can you talk a bit about those? Right. The big point about this is I think people tend to think that the Smith maneuver is one strategy, but there's all kinds of ways to do it. You can do it big and small. And if you have a good readvanceable mortgage, you can be quite creative on it. Lots of different ways that you can do it. Be aware there's lots of ways that you can do this, whatever makes sense in your financial plan. Great. And last question for you. Can you talk about effective investing strategies with the Smith Maneuver? Right. So I think the most effective is to invest in equities in the stock market. And it's because they're the asset class that has the highest long-term growth and they are reliable long-term. There's lots of tax benefits with it. It's also good to invest globally, not just in Canada. I really recommend to try to have the bulk of your money outside of Canada invested all over the world. And then you just need a good process to invest so that you are confident in it and that you're, you know, it should be able to give you good rates of return long-term. Well, Ed, it's been great having you on the show today. Before I let you go, is there anything of interest that you're working on that you'd like to share with our listeners? I'm always writing articles that are on my blog, and I try to put my blog, I try to be very educational on it. So it's uh, edremple.com, and it's all about unconventional wisdom. It's all the things that I've learned over the years that really work, as opposed to, I find that what most people believe about finances is either not true or doesn't really work. I found what really works. And Smith Maneuver is, is one, of, one of it. Once again, thanks so much for being on the show, Ed. It was wonderful to chat with you today. My pleasure. Great talking with you, Sean. I always enjoy talking about this stuff. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Burn Your Mortgage podcast. Besides being a podcast host, I'm also an independent mortgage broker. If you or anyone you know, family, friends, co-workers, or neighbors could ever use any unbiased mortgage advice or a second opinion, feel free to reach out. Email me at Sean, that's S-E-A-N at burnyourmortgage.ca or call or text me at 647-867-3711 for a free mortgage consultation. Also, be sure to head on over to www.burnyourmortgage.ca and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. As a small token of my appreciation, you'll be able to download my ultimate mortgage checklist on choosing the perfect mortgage. I look forward to hearing from you and helping you with all your mortgage needs. Once again, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating. Until next time, happy mortgage burning. (laughs) 